What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. Fifty-five minutes it took Lloyd to find you. Humor me. Tell me where you were. Fucking in the bathroom, blowing him under his desk. Sorry, I don't wish to be spoken to like this. And I don't wish to have to worry about where you are and what you're doing. You don't have to. That's right, I don't. Because you're fired. Both of you. What? Ari. Why? Did you not hear about his wife providing us with this morning's entertainment? Welcome back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Apologies for the absence last Monday. Had some things come up in uh, my work week, and then I was leaving to go to Mexico for my friend's 40th birthday, and things just started piling up, and I didn't have time to drop an episode. However, nobody uh, reached out to me. One guy did. One guy was like, hey, man, Where's the episode? Do you not like me anymore? Are people just not listening every Monday? Are people just playing catch up? I'm not sure. Let me know because I still want a reason to do this thing. If you haven't yet, check out my episode with Jerry Ferrara last week. We did episode five of season six for the golf episode. He tells some great behind the scenes story. It's really like kind of personal and emotional at the end of the episode. I just asked him some straight up like honest questions just a great dude. Loved having him. If you haven't done that yet, check it out. This week, we have a bona fide Sopranos expert on. Uh, Danny, a.k.a. Kevin Finnerty on Twitter, a.k.a. Time Immemorial, has spearheaded the Sopranos kind of renaissance over the last five to ten years. He started like the first Sopranos fan club page, then started all these meme accounts on Instagram and Twitter, and he like pretty much single-handedly started Sopranos Con in New Jersey. Uh, he's a great dude, and he's been re-watching Entourage over the last couple of weeks. His rewatch had brought him to about the beginning of Season 7, and so when he and I were talking, it, it kind of made sense for him to join us for this mid-Season 6 episode, Murphy's Lie. Season 6, Episode 6, Turtle Goes to School, Vince Bane's from Coeds, Drama Tries to Save Jamie Lynn from his lecherous boss, Dan Coakley. And Ari tries to save his marriage and his buddy Andrew Klein's marriage. It's a good episode. It's nice to have someone who's, like, super familiar with the structure of HBO shows. And Danny had some really great insights into just, like, writing and plots. And, you know, we talked a lot about Jamie Lynn Seedler. Great dude. Would love to have him back. Truly, like, a bona fide, you know, television expert. So enjoy the episode. Uh, I think with this delay, this puts us all the way through the end of the year with season six. So it might be a good thing. Follow all the accounts at Oh Yeah Pod, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Give Danny, a.k.a. Tevin Finnerty, a.k.a. Time and Memorial, uh, a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, really enjoyed doing this. We'll talk to you guys next Monday. All right, my guest this week. He's the lord of Sopranos memes on Twitter. He's the founder of Amuerta.com. He was the founder of SopranosCon. You can get all sorts of lifestyle clothes based around the popular HBO show at his website. He's dialing in from Baltimore. Danny, a.k.a. Kevin Finnerty, a.k.a. Time In Memorial on Twitter. Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. Wow, what an intro. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. 
you are welcome, man. We were just talking offline before we started recording about just your experience doing this thing with Sopranos and my kind of parallel experience doing it with Entourage. I'm surprised we haven't connected before now. We've both been doing this for a handful of years. I've just been like so focused on Sopranos. Um, and now <laughs> now is just the time for me to start expanding into other elements of pop culture. And, and the only caveat for me is that I got to be passionate about it. And I just, yep. I do love Entourage. It's, it's a forgotten passion, you know, but I just rekindled my love for the show. I, re I rekindled my, my realization for the love of the show, really, um, about a month ago. So you caught me in the middle of a rewatch, so it's perfect timing. Perfect time. And you had a tweet that, you know, a couple of the Entourage members of the family shared about how, like, back in the day, there was nothing better. Seasons five and six, the Sopranos leading right into seasons one to three of Entourage. It was just, it was the golden era. It was one of the before times before we knew they were the before times. Right. And that was, that was, uh, yeah, like looking back, it was just like, wow, like how, how good did we really have it? You know, because <laughs> you could, you, I, that was my introduction to Entourage was yeah. being kind of forced to watch it. Um, <laughs> And at first I wasn't really like into it. Like I wasn't really looking forward to it, I should say, but it only took like two episodes before I was like, oh, great. We got another half an hour. Sweet. You know, like, so that, those were, those were, those were great times. It's, it's a, it's an element of nostalgia every time I watch the show because of that. It just, it's hard for me not to associate um, those, those uh, live watches, you know, in the, in a room full of people that you're friend, friendly with. Um, sharing, sharing the watch for the first time is something special about that. 100%. And uh, the listeners of this pod know Sopranos is my favorite show. I don't know if that's blasphemy to say on an Entourage podcast, but Sopranos is my all-time favorite show. Entourage is up there, probably top five. I'd love to get your perspective. What's What was your relationship with the show like? So you started watching it as it was airing after The Sopranos on Sundays. We're talking 2005, 6, and 7. The show premiered in 2004. When, did you watch it, you know, episode one, season one, out of the date? Did you catch up after the fact? Like, did you watch it all the way through the movie? T tell me your whole Entourage experience. Well, it's interesting because it's really very, it's pretty much like a mirror image of my experience with Sopranos. Um, it's hard, you know, like when you say it's your favorite show, I don't think anyone would fault you to say, like, I have a favorite show and I also, like, have a favorite comedy, you know, because, yeah. like, Sopranos isn't, it's an element of a lot of different things and it's it's just not, you can't really compare any other show to it. Um, you can use it as a benchmark, um, but once you start, you know, getting into it, you know, you really can't compare Entourage and Sopranos. And that's why it went so well, I think. Um, one of my followers had this funny comment. I can't remember it now verbatim. I just tried looking it up. But um, when I, that tweet that you just referenced, like I'm, I would love, I, all I was trying to do was see like how many people agreed. Like A, yep. a was it a great time period? Were you really watching it live? Um, because look, like we're like what, 15, 12 years removed, you know, sure. from this. So people looking back on it, that would be a great connection. Then the other side of it was like, I know there are still active fans. Like, you know, can we, can we get the attention of the showrunners potentially like just let them know that we're out here. And then you know, that's when, that's when, you know, you introduce yourself and it was a, it was a natural segue for pretty much everything, but being able to, I didn't watch Sopranos live until five. Mm-hmm um in order because i didn't have hbo growing up and yeah. i went over a friend's house during season four and i remember being like man i gotta get hbo um but i went to college my uh some of my roommates had it so we watched it and then entourage would come on that's the quick version but then once i came home and i'm looking for other ways to watch the show and we didn't have streaming uh, devices back then i went to blockbuster and i bought previewed that's dvd right. cases 
And so I, I did watch it in order um, once it was out to like maybe like season four of Entourage. That's when I like went out and I just bought a bunch of previewed ones and just just sat down to binge and four seasons you can get done in like, you know, two days, three days if you have all the time in the world. So the previewed TV DVD sets from Blockbuster is a throwback reference that I think a lot of listeners, because we have a lot of young listeners, people who kind of re or maybe discovered Entourage for the first time over the pandemic. And I, I know you know, Sopranos had a renaissance like that too over the course of the pandemic. Everyone was inside. So man, do I feel old hearing that reference, but uh, right. it just fills me with nostalgia. And, and to circle back, I realized I forgot to bring the funniest point out is that uh, one of my followers, when I, man, I made that tweet, he made a comment and he goes, um, it was just nice to see a show about family, brotherhood, hanging with your boys, um, things like that. And then, and then watching Entourage. And I just started <laughs> laughing really hard. Um, like, yeah, I get it. But that really encapsulates like, you know, they're, they're similar in that sense. Right. But totally. it was nice yeah. to be able to be dialed into something like really like deep and then like kind of be able to turn your brain off and like be in the real world, um, so to speak, quote unquote. And I think as as on a hill as it is, I think that the common thread they both share is that uh, I think a lot of people can still relate to Tony Soprano the same way they can relate to Turtle, you know, or sure. Johnny Drama and E, maybe not so much Vince, um, but there is an element of being able to relate yourself to these characters. Um, that's, that's what I think is so great about it. And I think we're, the timing couldn't be better. You mentioned you just hit season seven on your rewatch. We're doing a mid-season six episode. There is a Sopranos reference in this episode. We have Jamie Lynn Seedler as a, a major yep. character, so I can't wait to get into it. We are doing episode six of season, season six, Murphy's Lie. It originally aired on August 16th, 2009. Wow. Kevin, what were you doing on this date? Where were you? Not maybe on August 16th, but where were you summer of 2009 in your life? I was getting, I was um, mentally preparing to get married, probably. Um, You know, just finishing up school. Um, I went to school for digital art and design, graphic design. And I knew I was getting married the following year. So I was probably looking for employment you know, looking for uh, some security and, and all kinds of things at that moment um, and gearing up for the wedding, like I said. And that, and that involves, if you're not, anyone who's not married, there's a lot of meetings you got to go to. You got to try out, you got to pick out flowers. You got to pick out the DJ or the band. You got the tuxes, everything. You know, it, it's a lot. People don't realize if you're not married, like you have to have an, a point of view and an opinion on everything that happens that day, even if you don't care. And then, by, but, and then when it's over, you don't even remember half of it yep. because you're, you're, you're caught up in the whirlwind of it all. Um, but yeah, that's even thinking back of it, it makes me, makes me a little dizzy because those were, (laughs) those were days where you, whenever every free moment you had, you went out and did something wedding related. Yep. Yeah. So So. chances were, were you watching Entourage live at this time? Like, would you have probably watched Murphy's Lie on Sunday, August 16th? Yes, absolutely. Because, um, when I moved away from school and came back home, um, I met someone, in college that lived near me also who was obsessed with entourage like he (laughs) i was just kind of casually watching it after sopranos at the time i met him and he just loved it um so i started rewatch. i started watching the show live at his apartment on sundays and it was always like you know it's not just sopranos night it's entourage (laughs) night you know so i definitely saw this one live that's great i mean Entourage could be considered a nice palate cleanser after The Sopranos. And, and, you know, yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's season five and six of The Sopranos. Like, it drags in some points, but it's overall pretty dark overtones, a lot of violence in those couple seasons. So, yeah, 
the boys bopping around LA and uh, you know that's a, that's a similarity is you're watching the boys in Jersey now you're watching the boys in Cali it's <laughs> it's it's it's, it's uh, it, it definitely made sense. at the time I thought it made no sense pairing them um, when I was completely oblivious to what Entourage was but yep. um, now it makes total sense. So on this date, I like to do this every week, Kevin, which is like a little bit of a time capsule. Just two days prior, on Friday, August 14th, a movie premiered called The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard. It's an American comedy film directed by Neil Brennan, produced by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, and starring Jeremy Piven as the title character Don Reddy, a used car salesman. Do you remember this movie? Once you said piven and used yep. car salesman yep. that's when i'm now i'm starting to see things in my head but as far as like the synopsis and the title like i, I have no idea i i really have i'm gonna have to pull deep for for this one the film also starred Vane rames james brolin david techner katherine hahn ed helms cred robinson great cast it received mostly negative reviews from critics it only grossed 15 million dollars and that's a 10 million dollar budget rotten tomato score of 27 and the overall Rotten Tomato consensus read that the, despite the talent in front of and behind the camera, the goods largely misfires, providing a squandered opportunity for all involved. However, Roger Ebert of the Shadow Sun-Times, my hometown, gave the film three out of four stars, saying the screenplay moves at a breakneck pace. If a dad doesn't work, another one is on its heels. I just love that. Like, you know, we got Piven on his knees in this episode begging his wife for forgiveness, and he's the star of what he thought and what everyone thought was going to be a big movie that weekend. And, uh sadly didn't happen so yeah the juxtapose uh position you know of, of real life versus uh you know what we see suspended yep. reality I could, you could call it um that that is that is interesting and even with the will ferrell production credit you know like you would have high hopes reading that cast list um that it would be funny and, and you know chances are it could be some of these yep. movies just don't get attention in the box office then you just never hear about them but then when you watch them years later on netflix or whatever they're actually pretty funny um like the other guys, I don't know if you've watched that movie, but oh, like amazing. when I finally got the unrated version for the first time to watch it, I was just like, you know, that that movie is hysterical, but I don't think that movie did very well in the box office. And I think that you can understand like once you see it, you know, but the cast list and like the the way that they put it all together, it just uh, the storyline was all it was all very well done. So I will say that. Yeah, one thousand percent. So August two thousand nine, specifically this time period, August is usually considered a dead zone for movies. Like they release all the summer blockbusters in June, July, but August two thousand nine specifically had these three releases in this order: Funny People, District Nine, and Inglorious Bastards. Wow, those are three pretty big time. And District Nine and Inglorious Bastards are on like two of the top fifty most highest grossing movies of all time. That's like everybody going to see the squirrel instead of Aquaman, you know, um, that makes, dude, that makes, that, that's funny. Um, what was the first, funny people? That was a good movie too. Yeah. I, I think I saw all three of those in the theater as well. Um, so, did so I. yeah, that's, that's, but then the, the goods, I'm going to, I'm going to have to watch the goods just, just so I can just reference this back and, you know, see, see if it was worth the watch. I'll let you I know haven't, how it goes. I haven't revisited the goods. I, I remember seeing it and going, oh, this isn't as funny as Jeremy Piven on Entourage. But maybe, you know, like you said, maybe in, in hindsight, 15 years later, maybe it's just a funny standalone movie. I won't have as close of a relation with the, the Ari Gold, Jeremy Piven character. Okay. There you go. Quick recap of this week's episode of Entourage. Turtle and Vince watch as Jamie shoots her five towns kissing scene with drama. E shows up late after having a rough night after calling Ashley Sloan. Ari finally convinces Mrs. Ari to accept his apology, but his problems aren't over. At Miller Gold... Marlo Klein tears through the office in search of Andrew's whore, in quotes. 
Ari gets rid of her and has Lloyd track down Andrew and Lizzie, intending to fire them both, but Lizzie insists that it's over. Ari orders Andrew to go back home to Marlo. E goes to Ashley's to apologize, but as he's showering after their makeup sets, Ashley listens to a voice message that he got from Sloane. Realizing that Sloane was responsible for his new job offer, Ashley storms out. Eric meets with Maury Berenson and accepts the job with his management company. Studio exec Dan Totley shows up on set to meet Jamie Lynn Siegler and invites her to lunch to discuss future projects. Drama gets protective and follows them to spy. While Turtle is at his first day of school, Vince kills time with co-eds and gets updates from drama about Jamie Lynn's lunch date. Back on set, when Jamie Lynn hasn't returned, drama works himself into a frenzy, storms Totley's office, and tries to choke him. Totley threatens to have him killed by the writers. And when E shows up at Ashley's that night, she accuses him of still having feelings for Sloane, and he finally admits that he does. Woo! <laughs> it's a pretty uh, in-depth uh, summary there, Kevin. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, like the, by the by the time that the series had evolved to this point, I mean, like that's a much more in-depth storyline than you would get in season one, yep. and two and three. Um, there's just more happening now. These guys are more independent, um, apart from Vince. So more elements come into play, like side characters, and now the, their own stories are kind of developing simultaneously. Um, so there's just so much going on. Um, yeah. That's that's the the brief evolution of of the show but to this point what was your favorite moment from this week's episode drama is probably like i i, I usually he usually makes me laugh the most sure um genuinely um so probably the whole probably what i love most about this episode in many different categories is his performance and like how he went to protect his boy yeah like, you know like so i think the whole scene going to dan coakley's office is probably my favorite moment it's him knowing that what he's doing is going to get him in major trouble or potentially jeopardize his career, and he doesn't care because he's so loyal to his brother. Now, we have a, a category every week called Favorite Bros Being Bros Moment. It's actually my next question for you. Yeah. I think this is it. I think this has got to be the best Bros Being Bros moment. Absolutely. I mean, it's great, and this is one of the reasons why I love this show is that um, you know people will say it doesn't have a lot of depth, Mm -hmm. etc cetera, etc cetera. and they might be right you know but when you really put this under a microscope you're you're you have actors playing actors who sometimes might be also playing an actor on screen being <laughs> like actually like filming um yeah. that's like three different levels of an onion that i think that people would take for granted you know by looking at them like for example when when uh Eddie Burns is telling is where Johnny's auditioning for Eddie Burns. <laughs> it's like you're an actor playing an actor playing an actor. I yeah. mean, like that's pretty crazy. And so this scene actually is that where he's talking to his boys on set, mm -hmm. um, his onset boys, I should say. And he's, you know, he's distracted. He can't get it. He can't get his lines out. And Brandon says something to him to the effect of like, I can only imagine what it'd feel like if I lost my best friend's boy or girl. And like the way his eyes just kind of pivot, you see the moment of clarity, and he just knows what he has to do and he doesn't think twice about it like he said he, his, his loyalty outweighs um and his friendship outweighs uh what his career you know um which he had worked very very hard to get to obviously as we all know by now um so it's just a it's a it's a great it's a great and also a kind of like train wreck moment you know where you're you're you feel bad for him but you also are cheering okay, for him and background action action my uncle don't got nothing on me he's some Loud mouth, wide bellied. Line! What's that line again? Jesus Christ. Uh, let's let's cut. Oh. Uh, uh, Johnny, that's like uh, six takes. What's the problem? I'm just having a hard time focusing. Uh, you want me to get you some Ritalin? 
No, no, I got it. Okay. Let's go again. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it right away. Right away. Come on. <sighs> you really worried about what he's doing with Jamie? Hell yeah, he's worried, and he should be. Shut up, Brandon. You don't know anything. Okay, let's roll camera. Okay. I know it hurt when I lost my girl. Probably would have hurt even more if I lost my best friend's girl. Sound rolling. Scene 23, take seven. And action! I'll be right back! I need to ride to Studio Week. I had Jerry Ferrara on last week, and he said that the best part about the Dylan performance is that he can't help but get in his own way. And that's what he does here. He's like, I can't let this go. I can't let this guy essentially try to sleep with my best friend's girl. Choking his boss, probably not great. But Dan's like, you hitting that, John? He goes, no, but my boy is, which means you better right. not be. Right. He goes, ooh, be careful, Johnny. You're not a good enough actor to threaten your boss. And drama says the line of the episode. Well, I'm a good enough friend, so keep that in mind. Just This is where things for me get a little, like, he could have gotten away with it, I think, if he had not, if he had not choked him and sure. he just walked out the door. Yep. I think he would have got his point across and D Dan Coakley would have respected him, but maybe um, not gone to any length to inconvenience him or torture him. Um, it would have been like if even if he had also said, I'm playing this out in my head, like because if you're if you're putting yourself in this position and your boss says, are you hitting that, John? You know, it's like you could have been like not said anything and just gave him a look and be like, listen, I didn't do anything. Like, don't worry yeah. about it. And then just walk yeah. out, you know, and it's yeah. done. And and your point, your message comes across, but that's not good drama. Right. So the fact that he had to say uh, the snide remark, even in front of his assistant, um, he that's, goads that's, him. He's like, but I am going to sleep with her now. Now that you've done yeah. this, I'm going to fuck yeah. Meadow Soprano or whatever he says. Right. It's, it's it's tough. And it, and that's that's what pushes drama over the edge. And you kind of see it coming in a way. Hello, Mr. Chase. Can I help you? Where's Coakley? In a meeting. He doesn't want to be disturbed. Me neither, but it's my lot in life. What are you doing here, John? Uh, where, where's Jamie? Uh... <laughs> Would you, uh, would you give us a second, please? <clears throat> what, do you have some kind of self-destructive career death wish? I just want to know who she is. She should be back on set. I finished with her 20 minutes ago. Did you fuck her, Dan? <laughs> what? Did you fuck her? You hitting that, John? No, but my boy is, which means you better not be. Oh, careful, Johnny. You are not a good enough actor to threaten your boss. Yeah, well, I'm a good enough friend. Keep that in mind. Relax. I didn't fuck her. But I'm going to. Because all I can think about now is how sweet it would be to ram Tony Soprano's daughter from behind. Hey. <laughs> Big mistake, John. I can have you killed. Yeah, by who? The writers. Move out the way. Dead man walking. And to be honest, this starts the whole, you know, side story of, like, drama that's basically written off the show and has to start over again. And it's nice because he's been on Easy Street for three seasons. He's been on Five Towns. He's achieved everything he's wanted. We haven't gotten to see drama be the struggling actor that we loved so much in the first three seasons. So I like that this is his downfall in terms of his role on the show because it's, you know, all for love of his, of his best friend. And, and I love it. Right. It's very, it's, it's poetic for us, yep. you know, like it might, yep. at the time for him, like it's, it's the dramatic irony that like, you know, 
he doesn't know that the show is cyclical, you know, you know what I mean? Like a circle, you know, it's like, it's, it's like when everything is great, something bad's right around the corner and vice versa. So it's like, he doesn't know that, but really life is that way. And Vince tries to remind us of that all the time, that things have a way of working itself out. What was your least favorite moment of this week's episode? I mean, honestly, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing because like you, you feel for him, Mm -hmm. like you, you agree that he's following the moral compass you know, like he's, he's doing something admirable, but at the same time, like, you're like, oh, don't do it, Johnny, like the nothing is yeah. going on, you know, like stay out. So when you say least favorite, it's kind of a double-edged sword, that one for everybody, I think. Um, yeah. But also there's a lot of, there's other pain in this episode, like even like Marlo coming in storming. It's not that it's my least favorite. It's like my least favorite for her character. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't like you feel for her. Um, and there are other moments too. I mean, like Ari making up with his wife, like, you know, like I have been in the doghouse a million times, you know, like I know exactly how it feels, you know, like to be waking up on the couch, um, with yeah. your kids, with their kid using your mind to like wake <laughs> you up. So they, uh, when I say least favorite, I mean, it wouldn't be like anything happened in the episode that I didn't want to see. Sure. Um, even, even E's story again, like very relatable for me as mm-hmm. well. That's probably, that's probably gotta be it because he's, he set himself up to be here and it was completely avoidable um so when you say least i don't mean like i didn't like seeing it it's more of like my least favorite in that like he didn't really kind of follow how he has set himself up to be for us you know like this honest abe type Um, yeah which drama says (laughs) yes he does and that's probably why it's fresh in my mind is that the fact that he's always has this reputation of being transparent and forthright um do the right thing kind of attitude uh the fact that he just didn't tell Ashley that like, Hey, that was, that was Luna called. And instead of saying, I don't know what she wanted, like, Hey, like she's actually going to be like, I can see as a, you know, as a guy, yep. we've all been in that position where it's like, you should say something to your girlfriend or your wife. Um, but you don't out of just like avoiding a fight and, and really um, it's also protecting them. But when it's when it's to avoid a fight, it actually kind of makes you kind of selfish. And it's like, I'm looking at him like, man, it's so easy. Like, just say, like, she's going to be at the golf tournament tomorrow. Yeah, she's um, helping me get a job. Uh, she's helping right. me my career. Yeah. No, I haven't slept with her. That's it. Yeah, exactly. At least have the conversation. So, to, so yeah. to me, it seemed a little out of character for E, but I can relate. Um, and I think a lot of guys can too. Um, this is like the guy's sex in the city, uh, you know, basically for all intents and purposes. So I, I think that's like the guy relatable. Mo- There's several, but that is a very relatable guy moment for sure. Yes. I would say my least favorite moment kind of plays in that same territory. And it's simply, we, we start the episode on this really humorous thing where we see drama and Jamie have their kissing scene and turtle and Vince reacting to it. It's very humorous. And then E rolls in and is like, here are my girl problems, everyone. And it's a little bit like, E, could we just have a minute here to like live in this fun as opposed to like, <laughs> oh, you called Ashley Sloan last night and you had a rough night because of it? You said she left. What do you mean you had a rough night? You were by yourself. There's just a little bit of like, right. dude, like you are interviewing for a job today. Turtle's going to school. Drama's got this big scene. We don't need to immediately start addressing your love interest problems. But I talked about this a uh, couple episodes ago in the season. This is his this is his whole thing. All season we are being thrown headfirst into E's love life issues. He's literally interviewing for a job and telling Maury Berenson, like, my girlfriend's mad at me. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Just I know, right? Hold off. <laughs> you don't need to tell your future boss or employer about that stuff. That's like red flag city, in my opinion. Right. Right. Well, there's elements of shows like this where um, you know, since it's a little bit more realistic for us to digest, like we do expect sure. like loose ends to be, you know, it's not like, you know, 
you don't want to see a Starbucks cup on the set of Game of Thrones, you know, yeah. like missed, yep. but like, this is different, you know? So it's like when you think about how something might come up or like how something might be introduced into a conversation, you're looking for like a natural segue, but you know, I always chalk these up to like, they got to get like points across, you know, just so you hear it and it can develop, you know, but sometimes it feels a little mechanically inserted. Let's put it that way. Sometimes. Yo, yo, E, where you been? You missed everything. Sorry, rough night. Why? What happened? <laughs> We're going to get some coffee. You called Ashley Sloan and you weren't even mid fuck? Oh, it's the worst. That's why I always stick with you, baby. <laughs> Whose name would you accidentally call out, Vince's? Oh. So how'd you cover? I told her she was hearing things. Jesus. I bet she took that well. Yeah, she left. Well, who wouldn't? Why didn't you chase after her? Because he loves Sloan. Ah. Why else would a sober man who isn't about to come do something so stupid? I was uh. distracted, thinking about the job. I wasn't expecting an offer to come so fast or how Vince would feel about it. Hey, don't blame me. I feel fine. I think you knew you wanted the job. You just didn't want to be Sloan's bitch. Well, he's already Vince's bitch. It suits him. <laughs> I appreciate that, Turtle. From one bitch to another. I am no longer a bitch. After today, I am a college man. If I can focus. Relax, Turtle. Your girl's in good hands. Just send her back as untainted as possible. I gotta go. Yo, E, you want to hang before your meeting with Murray, or should I go with Turtle? I think I'm going to go talk to Ashley. You mean Sloan. <laughs> Funny. So what are you going to say to her? I don't know yet. Let me give you some advice. Oh, please do, Drama. I know you like to think of yourself as honest, Abe, and all. But in this situation, lie like a mattress. <laughs> Every week, Kevin, we talked about our most entourage moment of the episode, and that can mean whatever you think entourage means in quotes. It can kind of go in any direction, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I've got one of my own. Sure. Um, man, that's tough, because, like I said, the show is cyclical by nature, you know, so when you say entourage moment, that's kind of how I, you know, when you watch Silicon Valley or any of these shows that came after it, it's like, this is like kind of like the model, you know, for the mm -hmm. roller coaster um, that is just a TV show, you know, a, uh, that is current. Um, so all of it to me, like the, the, the follows with the angles when they walk, the boys talking, like the scene we were just talking about, talking about Sloan's problems, you know, then the, the, the breakdown on set and running the Coakley's, I was like, this whole episode was just full of entourage moments, you know, because that's <laughs> just point. how it's like the signature of the series. And like uh, um, between that, like Ari, I would say the when when I knew that question was coming and I was rewatching the episode, right when Marlo came in, is right on the heels of Ari being like, "No more fights, baby, smooth sailing." <laughs> and then like she comes crashing in, yeah. And like they set up this pattern of like good, good, good makeup, um, some jokes, some good news. Um, some playful banter on the phone. Now here comes Marlo crashing in um, to disrupt that pattern. Um, to me, that's probably like, it's a much bigger version of an entourage moment by this point in season six of this arc of the series. Um, but I think that might be like the most entourage moment really um, because that's just the nature of the show. Like gr great news is coming, is here. Bad news is right around the corner and vice versa. So that's that's probably it for me. I love that. That's more of like a taking it from like a structured writing approach, like the kind of roller coaster of the show. It's, I mean, let's be honest, for the most part, the show is all, you know, everything's going uphill and everyone's doing great. But these little hiccups, these little things, the Marlo Andrew Klein issue, he thought it was resolved and it comes right back around, rears its ugly head in Ari's face, in Ari's office, which like he at this right. point is like just fucking end this thing. Maybe we could have office phone sex, baby. Haven't done that since the early 90s. You have glass doors. Yeah, it'll be Lloyd's year-end bonus. He'd rather that than cash. Trust me. <laughs> You're disgusting. 
Too disgusting to spend a couple nights in Cabo with. God, Ari, this fight has made you very romantic. I love you so much right now, I may even let you play golf with me. Maybe we should fight more often. No more fights. Smooth sailing from here on out. Where's the whore? Who is fucking my husband? Huh? Where are you, whore? What about you? Are you fucking Baby, I'll call you back. I'm going to say for my most entourage moment, and, and again, we kind of take this in any direction, Turtle driving his baby blue Ferrari into the UCLA parking lot, everyone, like, turning their heads, those two, like, random co-eds being like, what up, we know who you are, guy from People Magazine, and then, of course, it ending on Vince just, like, getting approached by a random co-ed, being like, let's go back to my dorm and have sex for 45 minutes. Yeah, again, this one's just full of entourage-ish moments. I would not disagree with you or anyone that said, like, that's the most entourage moment because, look, Vince with the video camera looking down and oh, Johnny yeah. screaming to get his attention, Vince! <laughs> it's like, that. that's a great moment for entourage, too. Um, uh, and just, just the whole awkwardness of the way Johnny's like trying to approach turtle during that moment when they're on the phone. Like, that's just, it's just, it's just great. Like I, I love, I love all of it. How's it going? Sweet car. Thanks man. Hey, I know you. I don't think you do. Yeah. You're uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler's boyfriend. Saw you in people. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. I saw that too. I love it. You're a star turtle. <laughs> Holy shit. Vince. Man, what's up? Not much. What are you doing here? I'm just taking my son to school. That's so cool. Sweet. <laughs> All right, I got to head in. What are you going to do? Uh, well, I got an hour, so I'll mingle. All right. I've got 45 minutes till class. You want to hang? Yeah. What was your favorite line or quote from this week's episode? Oh, line or quote. Probably Johnny saying like I'm 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 you know I, I am a good enough friend yeah. you know just I'm, remember but I'm that that friend yeah 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 that that probably I resonate with the most yeah of course mostly this category is Johnny drama or Ari Gold I've got two drama lines at the beginning when he's kind of teasing Turtle about kissing his girl Turtle goes you're gonna get hit drama and drama goes go ahead just don't break your hand on my pythons and shows him his biceps <laughs> drama's like on a high he's like kissing a hot actress he's the star of the scene he just yeah, made yeah. fun of his friend I love that he's just he's gleeful in the way that he's uh you know kind of making fun of his friend or giving him a hard time it's so natural too it's exactly how a, a normal conversation with your boys would go you know yep. like again you now you leverage the fact that you know you just begged your best friend to do this <laughs> and like now you get to like make fun of him for it you know Ooh, you yep. know you kissed me yeah great that's yep. great stuff don't look turtle i'm gonna be over soon oh jesus you know when they say a guy can never bang his girl again after he watches her give birth? That is what this is like. Okay, and cut! Cut the rain, beautiful! Woo! I'm gonna do a lighting change, we'll pick this up in 30. You're gonna do more takes? I'm sorry, I just thought you had it. All right, everybody, we hey. got 30 minutes. What was that? Fantastic. It wasn't so bad, right? That was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Stop it. Ew, it's like you just kissed me. <laughs> You'd like that, wouldn't you? I gotta go to makeup. Can you stay? My class starts in an hour. <gasps> Good luck, college man. Call me later. Ew, you just kissed me again. You're gonna get hit, drama. Go ahead. Don't break your hand on my pythons. And then, then I also have drama. E, let me give you some advice. And he's like, oh, please do drama. I know you have to consider yourself honest Abe here, but in this case, 
lie like a mattress. <laughs> and he just, again, it's like he wrote it in his head and said it. it's very clearly a Dodd Allen written line. It's delivered perfectly by Kevin Al- Dillon. I remember the, watching it now, like uh, the boys like clap and like they pat Johnny in the back. Like it was like, yes, like that was it. Like that, that was so him. funny. Yeah. Great, Johnny. Great. Like that was so, so classic. I have one more. Sorry. I over overdo it on these uh, uh, categories, but Mrs. Gold and Ari Gold are making up and he's like, let's do three days in Cabo. And she goes, wow, Ari, this fight has made you very romantic. And Ari goes, I love you so much right now that I might even let you play golf with me. As a married man who golfs and occasionally my <laughs> wife wants to golf with me, I couldn't have related harder. It's like, I'll suck it up and we'll play golf for three to four hours on vacation. When you said, when I said I couldn't do this until 1 p.m. Eastern time, it's because I was playing, I was playing golf go. this morning too. So how'd you shoot? I'm, I, I well actually I only got to get done nine holes but I I shot a 52 not my best my best day but hey when you're out in in nature in the fall at least over this side and just just being out there is great uh people know this but I live in Palm Springs so I live about a baseball's throw away from like eight incredible golf courses so when I can wow. I'll, I'll duck out and uh go and again I'm, I'm probably shooting the same as you um interestingly enough my whole neighborhood all the streets are named after famous golf courses and we do live close to like I could throw a Nerf football maybe and hit one. Um, I live in I live close to two of the top like municipal courses in the country. Um, so yeah. they're 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 actually like really good courses. They're just like in the middle of the city. So that's where I've been going lately. Um, it's it's uh but yeah, there's we have no shortage here in Baltimore. You wouldn't think it. You have no shortage of golf nice golf courses around here. Yeah, yeah. Every week we talked about our favorite song. I wouldn't say there was any strong like needle drops in this episode. Did you have one that maybe jumped out at you? You, there's some iconic ones throughout this season, but this episode's kind of bare, in my opinion. Um, actually, like now that you even bring up the question, um, usually like I have a pretty keen ear for that kind of yeah. thing, and nothing stuck out stood out to me either. Um, yeah. Even sometimes, sometimes the show actually introduces songs mm-hmm. to you that you mm-hmm. might like. Um, and this one, nothing, nothing even sticks out in terms of uh, like in the background music. Um, you know, episode closer credits. You know, like none of that really actually. Yeah, kind of a bummer. Uh, last week's was the same way, the golf episode. For those who are maybe listening for the first time, we have a Spotify playlist in the show notes of the episode where we add all of our favorite songs from all the episodes. We just haven't had one in a while. Uh, okay, I- I've been dying to get to this. Every week we talked about the celebrity cameos in the episode. Was Steve Nash a good celebrity cameo or was he one of the most shoehorned in uh, <laughs> I, I, I personally think it was terrible and I'm a huge hoops fan and I love Steve Nash. I just, for the life of me rewatching it was like, what the hell is this? And, uh, and I, and I, I need to know your opinion on this, Kevin. I was probably okay with it at the time, honestly. Um, at the time it was probably like, I, I, I wasn't really into hoops then. So he was probably like at like a, a, a popularity height, um, at the moment. So it probably yeah. made a whole lot of sense during the time. Um, I think the reason why they did an athlete in that situation was just to show you the, the parallel universes going on in Hollywood between the management and agent world and being able to let you see that like, or let you see that ease horizons have broadened now by coming to a place like this. So I, I think, um, maybe I can understand why you think it's like a a mechanical insertion, you know, like in here, I can, I can see why you uh, referred to it that way, but I think it was pretty, it was okay. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really trash it necessarily, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is right before we 
signed on today. I, you know, I pulled up Twitter and uh, Steve Nash just got released or just parted ways with the Brooklyn Nets as their head coach. So it's almost oh, uh, wow. it's almost uh, serendipitous that we're talking about this. And, you know, I love Steve Nash, back-to-back MVP. I think you're right. At this time, he was probably coming off of his first or second MVP award. I think just the delivery of the line, ouch, bro. It just was a little bit like, all right, Steve, you can just be like normal. You don't have to be overly like, you know, chummy. Um, and then again, why is E bringing his girl drama into this thing? Like, just wait until after the job interview before you're like yeah. leaving messages. Yeah. Uh, He's like, hey, my girlfriend just told me to go fuck off. You know, it's like, ouch, bro. It's like, yeah, I'm not sure how what I would have done if I was in his position either. I probably would have just like not said any of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pretend that it didn't happen. And hey, Ashley, it's me <laughs> again. Listen, uh, freaking out a little bit. I just I, I don't really under understand where you went. Would you uh, call me, please? Fuck off. I think my girlfriend just told me to fuck off. Ouch, bro. Hey, Eric, did you meet the incomparable Steve Nash? You're just getting acquainted. <laughs> I'm courting Eric to be our newest manager. Oh, it's a great place. Yeah, well, seems pretty impressive so far. Hi, you're oh, parking. You. Murray, always a pleasure. Indeed. Right. Eric, good luck with your girl. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Let me show you around. Steve Nash, huh? We represent a lot of athletes. You like football? I'm kidding, I love football. Maybe I'll take you to the Super Bowl this year. How's that sound? Sounds great. That that pretty much is the only cameo um, that I can really think of off the mm-hmm. top of my head in that episode. I mean, yep. minus, I mean, you could call Jamie Lynn Ziegler, really, but she's she's a kind of a permanent fixture or semi-permanent fixture at the, by this point. Yeah, she. I think she is in total in like 14 or 16 episodes of the show over the course of two seasons. So yeah, I wouldn't consider her a celebrity. I'd consider her honestly just a character on the show at this right, point. Right. Now let me ask you, and as as the resident Sopranos expert, what did you think of her performance on Entourage as herself? Do you remember at the time having an opinion on it? And what do you think of it now? I personally, before, before you jump in, we are huge fans of her performance on this and uh, thought it was a great little addition to the squad. I loved seeing it. I mean, like anytime you can see a Sopranos actor, you know, doing well, you know, as fans, you know, like going to go do anything else. Like, you know, our fan base is just very supportive and loyal, also very critical too, you know, because we're spoiled because like mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're fans of the greatest television series of all time. Right. <laughs> so we're a little spoiled when it comes to a lot of things, but um, being able to see her in what might be described as more of a natural performance, you know, like yeah. more of like how she is in real life. Again, like the palate cleanse, like you referenced earlier. I think that's a, that was, that's a good way to describe it. And it's a good way to just see her in, in a more natural environment. So yeah, I, I never, you know, some people you, they for it's like forcing a, a square peg in a round hole when they, when they do these types of things. And I did not feel that at all from this it seems like a natural introduction and and i didn't know either but wasn't it at the time like they really were dating at the time they started dating before record before filming this season yeah so i mean like i i like how they you know were feeding off like the actual emotion that they felt for each other during this time um so a lot of it seems natural and just seeing her not play like a uh a a mob boss's daughter you know is is was was nice you know so you never want to see anybody get typecast either. So, no, 100%. Yeah. And I think we're in agreement here. It's, uh, I personally like would have liked to see her go the distance in the show. Like, I don't, I haven't talked to many people who are like, Jamie and Seedler, terrible addition to the Entourage crew. Some of Turtle's later girlfriends and later love interests, you're a little bit like, okay, this feels, again, not shoehorned in, but just feels like kind of forced. And, uh, this has felt natural the entire time. Felt natural. So. 
Yeah. I mean, the way a lot of these things go, I'm just every show when they start introducing new characters, I'm always assuming that they're for a temporary period, you know, um, and it's usually to support the, the arc of a season. There are um, exceptions, right? Definitely. I mean, like you'll get people that last. I mean, Phil Leotardo, for one, for example, Frank yep. Vincent came into Sopranos and you would have just anticipated that he'd be on the chopping block the way yep. most of the people of that season were. And he lasted till basically the end, basically until the last moment, I should say. So sure. you will sometimes get that. But um, I didn't I didn't see her introduction in the show as something that might be even considered a permanent fixture. The way these guys lives are the structure of the show. I always just assumed it was um, not necessarily a placeholder, but it, it made sense once I knew that they were dating in real life. Um, yeah. So that that was um i still wasn't anticipating it to be you know but if we had found out that you know they got married then she probably wasn't going to go anywhere so i i think everyone would have welcomed her to stay you know to be yeah. a permanent girlfriend the way sloan is for or wife obviously the way sloan is for e i don't think anybody would have balked at that she was good she she fit in with the boys completely agree and if Anyone hasn't listened to last week's episode of the pod, I had Jerry on and I basically straight up asked him because it was something I was wondering, like, is it weird? Because they aren't together, Jerry and Jamie anymore. I said, is it weird seeing your ex and you together on film preserved like this? And he had a great answer. And you know, I guess I'll paraphrase him. He just was like, no, we're, we're still close friends. We both have two young sons like separately. So we talked to each other about parenting advice and it's no big deal to me. But I was always curious about that. So if you guys have not checked out my interview with Jerry Ferrara, go back one week or two weeks now and, and listen to it. That is great. That is great to hear. Look, as consumers, people are audience members, like we're invested in these characters and we spend hours of our time watching them. And like you want to think that everyone is just getting along behind the scenes. Um, and this show really actually like brings to your living room, like the fact that it's just not true. Like it's just not the way it is. Um, but you want to think that these guys are all like really easy going in real life. Like they're, they're friends behind the scenes. They're always having fun. Or even that the storyline is continuing, you know, when you're not there, you know, so... Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it's just refreshing to know. It's not like, oh, my life hinged on knowing that Jerry and Jamie Lynn are actually friends, but knowing it is, is it's like, okay, good. I, I feel better now, you know? So good. I'm glad I was able to break that noose. <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. <laughs> what was the best perk the guys got this week? Sometimes it's a car. Sometimes it's VIP access. Sometimes it's a watch. I mean, is it just a random college girl going up to Vince and being like, we can have sex right now if you'd like? And he's like, all right, is that the best part? I mean, I think that we can also assume that Vince had a threesome, actually, yeah. by the end of that, too. I mean, we could, it's a safe assumption, at least. So yeah. that probably was the biggest perk. I mean, also, like, you know, Turtle being able to walk on set for a TV show is probably a pretty big perk as well, you know, for, true, for yeah. him. Um, Johnny pulling Jamie Lynn for a scene is probably a pretty big pull. Um, you know, so there, there's a, like, again, there's a lot of entourage-esque moments in this one. <laughs> Come on, you're an actor. Why so shy? Put the camera away, please. <laughs> God, well, I'm creating art here. Are you not yeah, an artist? Right. I don't do nudity. Well, what if I get a friend over here and then she can uh, take for no. us? Two friends? Still no. I can do it. You know what? I will. I gotta get this. I will. I gotta get this. <laughs> How would this episode be different today plot-wise? And let's just kind of avoid, like, Okay, Dan totally might, might not be as, like, forward with his, you know, lecherous, whatever, sexually harassing behavior. I got one for you. 
the college girl wouldn't be filming him with a portable camcorder. She'd have like a professional setup and the whole thing would be on her OnlyFans. She'd be some OnlyFans right. model. She'd like, have like the TikTok lighting camera. Yep. yep. Um, she would just naturally already just have this stuff. Um, that's probably the only real difference. I mean, like yeah. most of this is pretty well preserved. Some some episodes, they seem like they've aged. Not poorly, they just have aged. And this one feels like it all could still happen. They still shoot broadcast dramas on set, uh, on, on the lot. And, you know, this yep. could happen with, like, a, a studio exec who maybe crosses a line. And, and uh, you know, I've said this in previous episodes, but Turtle probably wouldn't have to go to UCLA for business school. He could just do it all online. He could just sit. That's a good know, point. That's a trailer. good point, too. <laughs> The camcorder, though, I definitely, I thought, I thought that to myself is like, when was the last time anyone's held one of those during one of these yeah. kinds of scenes, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Because even the the phone technology advancements are probably the biggest difference uh, yeah. from a blatant standpoint when you're watching the show is that like, take a picture with one of the older flip phones and like the texting. Um, so things were maybe a little bit different in that perspective, but you know, the camcorder, like you said, online classes, probably, probably the extent of it. You could see the girl, like, maybe she goes live for a few seconds and it becomes this big scandal. Vincent Chase sex tape, you know, after Gatsby comes out, it becomes a big thing in TMZ for, like, half of a day. And then the news cycle just continues on. I mean, right. at this point, how many celebrity sex tapes have we seen and or heard of? And it just kind of becomes the norm. Every week we do a Faces in the Crowd award. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about Dan Totley, the actor who plays Dan Totley. I want to talk to you about the performance, but really quick, the actor who plays him, who looks a lot like a Neil Patrick Harris knockoff, in my opinion. My wife walked through and was like, is that Neil Patrick Harris? And I said, no, but it's close. He's exactly exactly what I thought, too. Exactly what I thought. The actor's name Matt Letzer. He's an actor, director, and playwright. He was known originally as his role of Captain Harrison Love in the 1998 American swashbuckler film The Mask of Zorro with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Mm. He was in the film Gods and Generals. He co-starred in the 2016 Michael Bay film 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. He's also portrayed, uh, he also portrayed the reverse Flash in The Flash on the CW and DC's Legends of Tomorrow, as well as playing the character of James Kui Kendall in Narcos Mexico on Netflix. This guy's had a long career, killing it on Netflix the last four years, rolling around on the CW and the DC universe and playing, uh, you know, a shitty studio head. So I just loved it. I love to see every once in a while you look at these guys, IMDb, and you're like, oh, this is kind of the only thing they did. This guy is still working today, and, uh, and I think he deserves it. He's a, he's a great actor and a great character in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think that no one should no one should undervalue um, the ability to make you hate them, you know, yep. by acting. Um, and, you know, like you, as a guy who can like understand what the show is about, like you laugh at some of the things that he says, you know, yep. but really like internally when you're watching the show, you're, you're, you're kind of like, oh, this guy's a dick, like I hate him. Um, uh, but he plays a good bad guy, uh, quote unquote, uh, in this in this role. Um, and knowing that he's in other stuff that I've probably seen and just didn't know who he was, um, you know, that's something I'm going to have to look out for next time. Drama's immediately on his heels the second Totally like, shows up. And everything that comes out of Totally's mouth is just a little weird and a little off. And you, as a man, you can kind of relate to that. You're just like, I've been around people like that. We're immediately like, that guy's bad news. And Drama feels that. And he's right in those suspicions. You know, Totally confirms it, essentially, after Drama chokes him. Hey, man. Hey, Dan. How are you? How are you? See that take? Oh, yeah, yeah. Look good. Yeah, well, as good as one can look, kissing Johnny Chase. <laughs> Mr. Coakley, what brings you down here to our little operation? Oh, well, I heard Miss Sigler had graced us with her talent. I want to come down and say hello. Hello. Hi, I'm uh, Dan Coakley. I'm a big fan. 
And the boss? Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. Uh, you as well. Yeah, I was surprised we were able to get you to do this. Well, Johnny's a friend. Terrific. Well, um, yeah, I love what I saw, and uh, I got a couple of things I'd love to talk with you about, if that's okay. Um, yeah, sure. All right, Timmy, how close are you to breaking? As soon as we like the shot. Okay. Can I take you to lunch? Yeah. Well, Jamie, I thought maybe you and I would have lunch. You guys are friends. You can lunch anytime. Jamie and I have to talk about our future together. Sounds serious. Do I need my agent or my lawyer? Well, your bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> if you like anything I have, we can call your people after. Okay. Johnny, you okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me just get cleaned up. I'll meet you back here. Okay, great. So, Dan, you still seeing that chick from Lost? I got rid of her before the island did, John. I'm sitting that cutie on Brothers and Sisters. Not Sally Field. No, John. Not Sally Field. What would you say was the sixth man award this week? Like, who won? Who made the most of their minutes? It could, the argument could be totally. Like, it could just be. It could be. I think that his his good, his really good lines, you know, like a, a runner-up line, favorite line would be like, you know, now I can, all I can think about sitting Meadow Soprano or yeah. Tony Soprano's daughter from behind. Yeah. Um, but his really good one comes in the next episode, so I won't I won't give that one away. I think Marlo probably made the most of her because yep. that's a pretty crazy performance um, in the in the three minutes that she had. Um, you can whether you've been in that situation before or not, like you could just feel the levity of the of the situation. You feel for Ari being in the middle, um, and you don't really see a lot of her at all, you know. But when she uh, the last time you see her. She's bubbly. She's a little buzzed or drunk, maybe. Um, she's friendly. She's laughing. And then the next time you see her, she's just showing you the other side of the yin yang, um, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like that. That was, and that was very close in the beginning of the, of the episode. So I, I definitely, I definitely, I definitely, I think I would have to give give my award to her in that scenario. Right. The actress Jamie Detz. We've talked about her before. She's won Sits Man or Sits Woman award. The way she's like super hoarse as she's doing it means that she's been crying and screaming for like hours that's a really nice like acting choice she didn't come in fresh-faced she didn't come in and put on a performance she comes in truly like i'm burning this motherfucker to the ground and i and i loved that and she's uh she's great she's had like a long storied television career and i've mentioned this before little known behind the scenes fact she's part owner of the atlanta hawks with her husband she's one of the wealthiest actresses and philanthropists wow. in hollywood they've i think they won some award for most money donated to charity back in 2018 or 2019 or something like that. isn't that crazy i love i love hearing stuff like this i mean because i've never i've never really spent the time to investigate a lot of these actors um but i've always been fascinated with, with just like the methodology an actor would use to do a performance and I've, I've heard stories about like james gandolfini for example like mm -hmm. if he had to look tired like he would stay up all night or if he yeah. had to look pissed off he'd put a, a pebble in his shoe um and like hearing you describe, um, you know, that performance of the, the horse, like that's something I didn't even think of, you know, um, obviously the makeup's not gonna let her come in there fresh face, but the fact that like she prepared for this that way, there's more than meets the eye with this show. And that's, that's what's, that's, what's really cool to hear. So now I feel even better about my performance or my, my selection. I feel even better about it now. <laughs> you were saying offline, like you, you were saying something a little bit about the Vince character. I mean, can you, can you expand on that? Like we were talking and I was like, no, no, save that for the pod. Does like, you think what Vince has always gotten a bad rap or what, what's your point of view on that? On Vince, I think that, um, before, I think that there is like, 
all of the shows that we watch, you know, we suspend belief a little bit at minimum, you know, but there's elements of being able to relate, you know, and I think that the fact that you can relate even a little bit to a mob boss for one hour, Mm-hmm. And then the next half hour after it, you're relating to a superstar. It's maybe that you can't relate to him. It's more like, I think almost every guy's dream is to be successful in some way and bring your boys with you. Like, what's the point, you know, of, of, of attaining success if you can't bring your, your friends and family with you, right? So I think that, that there's an element of that. Seeing him be that way, you know, is like kind of like, you know, when, someone, when you see someone win the lottery and they go bankrupt a year later, like, oh, I would never spend the money that way. Like everybody yeah. says that kind of stuff. And it's like seeing him like, yeah, that's how I would spend my money too, probably is, is you know, um, maybe be a little bit more smart on the investment side of it. But the fact that you're bringing your boys around with you, what kind of, what kind of uh, superhero would I be if I wasn't like rewarding my, my super friends? You know, it's like, it's like that, that mentality, I think is what um, the selflessness and like the, the gratitude and just always for the most part until this season, at least being happy, you know, yeah. um, you know, minor some in five. Right. Um, but yeah. really this is when this, that's the Vince that I think that everybody, or at least a lot of guys can relate to, you know, is yep. just like the, you can't, you maybe you don't even want the sports cars maybe you don't even want the the models and the, the fame of, in that sense but you want to be able to supply your friends like that you know yeah. like that um that is what i think everybody really is attracted to and relates to the most about him we talked earlier about the bros being bros category we have but this entire show is that category it's just how are you propping each other up and staying loyal and it's you know remaining true to who was with you from day one and uh yeah, Vince has had like a rough season and a half with like the Magian fallout, but now that he's back on top, banning co-eds and just like chilling with his friends, like he's in a good spot. Right. Things change next season, as we know, but uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, right, exactly. What was your favorite? What was your favorite Ari moment from this episode? He only kind of has the two scenes: the scene with his wife, and then the scene with Marlo in his office. Was there a line, or is there just like a little? I'm trying to remember. I mean, he probably at least said something that was. Um... Yeah, you know, I, I definitely felt for him the whole the whole situation though, and I, I think that again another relatable instance where you're you're in the middle of something and you're trying to convince people of things that they don't see yet. Um, I can supremely relate to waking up on the couch with a with a child in the face and being like, I was waking you up with my mind, you know, like that kind of maybe not verbatim, but like that kind of talk and him and him being able, all things considered be able to be like good job buddy um yeah. as a response like i loved i loved uh not seeing him like you know be like you know like what the fuck are you doing yeah, yeah. To, to your son um because that's how he is in the office so like the juxtapose um family to, to the business and then when he's like uh when 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 lloyd finally finds andrew and lizzie and he brings them in his back's turned to like dr evil like switching <laughs> his, uh his, his uh, stress ball and he's like took me 50 it took Lloyd 55 minutes to find you humor me where humor. were you yeah. Um, yeah at one point he puts the stress ball in his mouth it's an incredible performance by Piven <laughs> and when he's like and he's like you don't have to worry about that anymore Ari. he's like you're right because you are fired <laughs> um, not in my office the whole like call me old-fashioned I, I, just, yeah. I mean so it wasn't really like a line so much it was just like the limited time that we see him you know you feel for him yeah. um, and and you can relate Later, after the Lizzie character leaves the office, he has his, like, sit down with Andrew, and he's basically like, you are one in very few guys that have a have a free piece of pussy pass. You, my friend, there you go. get that. There you go. Marlo wants you back, and Andrew's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if it ever. He's like, Andrew, 
There was a time when Marla made you smile. Remember that time and remind her of it. And if that doesn't work, you do what every other married man does and think of someone else when you fuck her. But get it together for yourself, for your kids, and most importantly for me. It's right. a great, it's a great pep talk. He's he has a few of these with Andrew throughout this season, and uh, Andrew's not worth saving by the end of it, sadly. But uh, he does his best. Andrew's, I mean, Ari's a great friend to Andrew this whole time. He has his back the cheating thing basically lies to his wife that's thrown in the doghouse and even now when his friend has made every mistake in the world he's he's loyal and that's what this show's about is loyalty <laughs> yeah no i agree i agree he's got his redeeming qualities for being ari and you know he's got some troubled troubling times ahead as we yep. all have known if we've seen the series um yep. but you always root for him as much of a douche as he is like and, and that's how for all these guys they have their faults but their their redeeming quality is like you know the loyalty the brotherhood um the respect for one another really um that that's what you know the glue that keeps the show together you weak pathetic pussy i was never a weak man this this transition this uh, it's just it's broken me you're breaking me oh, ari don't fire me okay you know how well i'm doing you look great. Well, last night was rough. Marlo froze all my assets, my credit cards. I couldn't get $5. Lizzie wouldn't take me in. I slept in my car. Thank God we live in LA. It's 70 degrees. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go. Go home. Come on. Marlo would never have me. Actually, she would. One in very few guys get that, have a free piece of pussy pass. You, my friend, have it. Marla wants you back. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could ever... Andrew! There was a time when Marla made you smile. Remember that time. Remind her of it. And if that doesn't work, you do what every other married man does. Think of someone else when you fuck her. But get it together. For yourself, for your kids. Most importantly, for me. Andrew, go home. You have no other options. Who besides Vince won this week's episode of Entourage? We can't pick Vince. He wins every week. Johnny, it's got to be the winner. Um, yep. He had like, I'm, I'm just remembering like the funniest line, like when he when he's calling Vince, when <laughs> he's first beginning to stalk, they cut to him and he's got his hood up, his, his aviators <laughs> on, looking like uh, just like a stalker. And he's like, try, Vince is trying to convince him that everything is fine. Like, don't worry. He's like, like uh, trust Jamie, basically. And yeah. he's like, she jerked off turtle on the plane, bro. <laughs> it's like, that was probably the funniest line for me, the whole, the whole episode. Um, but from there to the office, like he, you know, for the right reasons that we've already you know, mentioned, like he has to be the winner of the episode. Yeah. And that's a good call out that like, that's a decent justification for him being a little suspicious is like, she jerked off turtle on a plane <laughs> first class on a plane like, she's capable of doing some dirty things this character is capable of like you know a, a dalliance here or there and so him being suspicious he takes it too far it's you know there, there's it's so good and then turtle calls him and he's like turtle turtle all good all good, all good turtle's all like good. turtle's like why are you being weird and like immediately sees through turtles like uh through dramas like weirdness it's so funny he's like nah take your time and Turtle's like, well, I'm not done on. I'm just gonna come right back as you're right. So Actually, weird. you know what? That's funny because ever since I've seen that episode, whenever somebody is being weird with me and they say not to do something, I always, to this day, say, "Well, I am anyway, weirdo." And then I hang up the phone. It is all it's all because of this episode. And I'm just now realizing that. Um, there you go. Great, great, uh, great influential uh, elements to the show, right? Lives on in the lexicon, as they would say. There we go. 
You missed me already, Johnny? I just left you. I got a problem, bro. You got a minute? Yeah, sure. What's wrong? Is Turtle near you? No, I just left for class. My boss is trying to bang Jamie. What? I tried to stop him, bro, but he wooed her. Wooed her how? He's a real smooth talker, this guy, and real good looking, and he fucks actresses. What actresses? All of them. Not Jamie. She's not that kind of girl. She jerked Turtle on the plane. Johnny, calm down. Take a deep breath. Nothing's gonna happen. Not under my watch, it ain't. Johnny. Gotta go. Gotta go. Last two questions, Kevin. Was this an A-list, B-list, or D-list episode of Entourage, and we can do pluses and minuses? I think all things considered, it's not necessarily what we might consider a classic episode of, epi- mm-hmm. of Entourage, but I think it still warrants being an A-list episode. Wow. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's for, for the reasons that I said, there's like a, the, what makes Entourage, Entourage is kind of amplified in different ways in this show, in this episode, ways that we aren't typically used to seeing it and digesting it, but all things considered, like when you put it under a microscope, I think that it still is a very solid episode. You know what? That's totally fair. And I see your point of view that it does kind of have all the aspects of Entourage. And I didn't really think about that when watching this. I probably watched this thing too closely, if we're being honest. I will say I'm going to lower it a whole letter grade because the E. Ashley Sloan line about the phone. It's just like, dude, this all could have been avoided or that you could have just handled this better. And then you carrying it over in your job interview. That bothers me. So I'm giving this like a B, B minus. Um, I wouldn't argue with you. I, I could see that. I could see it. I guess if I, if someone told me I had to you know, give it a B, maybe a B plus. Um, But like you said with E, I mean, like I get why it's there, but the fact that it could have been avoided is really the the biggest thing for me is like, man, like this is, I know a lot of things in shows are avoidable, but this one being like, we've seen three or two or three mistakes like that are just like, why are you going out of your way to like keep this secret? Like that's what I don't understand. So yeah, I can, I can understand your point of view. Kevin, last question. I asked this to all my first-time guests, and this has been really fun, and I do hope we can have you back on. Like I mentioned, there's about 20, 24 episodes left. Maybe in a season or two, we can break down a late season seven or season eight episode. Would love to. Who are you in your own real-life entourage? Man, I think that I can relate to all, almost all of the characters equally. Um, I would never call myself a celebrity or anything of that nature. I think that historically, E, a combination of E and Turtle are probably where I see myself the most in, in real life. Um, I've said before, Turtle's my spirit animal. Uh, I don't know how many times, um, but there is a professionalism and a get done attitude um, and a transparency element that E has and possesses. And then there's just like the sneaker culture, uh, you know, like chill with your boys, the sure. artistic, ben, the, the entrepreneurism, but like not really knowing your way. I mean, I can totally like his birthday blues episode. It's like, I can feel that one um, so much. Like being being around a lot of people who seem to have found their way and they're doing well. Um, you never want to be jealous of anybody, but at the same time, it's like, when's my meal coming? Um, I can yep. totally, I can just totally feel uh, his character and his arc. So I'd, I'd say that's the most accurate response I can give is some kind of combination of the two. But dra- drama is probably, you know, like the, the one-liners, like that's, that's how, what I live for in my daily life is just being able to banter like that with somebody. So there's relatable elements of all. And like I said before, like the wanting to be able to bring your boys with you after making it big, like that's the Vince element really that I think that I, that I possess. Um, but such a relatable show from top 
from top to bottom. I think it just, I think that a lot of people feel that way. It's like a reflection of your personality with these four characters or more minor reflections, I should say, of, of everybody's real character. So, so yeah, I really, dude, I really appreciate you having me on. I love, I love being able to just take a break from all the day and just talk entourage like randomly. Now, now I'm going to get like, I'm, I'm going to be jonesing for this like later in the week or maybe next week. So would love to, love to be back on. Yeah, would love to have you back. This has been a lot of fun. Danny, a.k.a. Kevin Finnerty, a.k.a. Time Immemorial, where can the listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you, find you? Um, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm just at Time Immemorial with an underscore at the, at the bottom at the end. Um, you're going to have to search for that like uh, like all the way through. And if you want to find me on Facebook, I'm not too active on there anymore, but Instagram and Twitter is really where, where I'm at. And um, omuerta.com is my my clothing brand you know i've been doing since february so those are those are my only plugs for you if you're a fan of entourage you're most likely a fan of the sopranos and if you're a fan of the sopranos you need to know danny aka kevin so check out his stuff this was a lot of fun thank you for coming on dude and we will definitely have you back and to everyone listening i will talk to you guys next monday <laughs>